Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 912 of the Juicebox podcast. On today's show, I'm joined by Ryan Taylor. Ryan has type 1 diabetes, and he's a reality TV show star in the UK. If you're listening from England, then he's just a reality TV show star. While you wait to find out if I offer Ryan a rose, please remember that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. I was a million percent sure I was going to call this episode as happy as Larry, but Ryan just, man, he was just so good. And I, I, I'll admit later in the episode, you'll hear me say that I, it's not what I expected from him. He was terrific. This conversation about type one was masterful. And um, that's why the episode is called Dead Chuffed About Ryan Taylor, because I am pleased about Ryan Taylor. Just what a lovely time. Thanks to a couple of people from the UK in my private Facebook group for confirming that dead chuffed about Ryan Taylor means pleased about Ryan Taylor. You guys are terrific too. All right, you ready to get started? This episode of the Juice Box Podcast is sponsored by the Contour Next Gen Blood Glucose Meter. Find out more about the Contour Next Gen, the Contour Next One, and the entire line of Contour products at contournext.com forward slash juice box. Use my link, support the show. You can buy them right there. You'll see when you get there. The podcast is sponsored today by BetterHelp. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service and is 100% online. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 25,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. BetterHelp.com forward slash juice To get started, you just answer a few questions about your needs and preferences in therapy. That way, BetterHelp can match you with the right therapist from their network. And when you use my link, you'll save 10% on your first month of therapy. BetterHelp.com forward slash juice Links in the audio player you're listening in right now, right in the show notes of the audio player and at juiceboxpodcast.com to contour, better help, and all the sponsors. Yeah, UK. You're, so I guess obviously you're America. Is the podcast bigger in uh, America or the UK? How does it do? Well, it, and we're, we're just going to actually, why don't we just start, Ryan? And uh, yeah, we'll, 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 we'll fill in the rest uh, in a little yeah, bit. Yeah, as we go. Um, Perfect. So overwhelmingly, the podcast, it, it, it really, really does well in the United States. But oh, cool. Yeah, but there are there are countries where it does strong, like like very strong. So I don't know how to put this like in a way that somebody who doesn't track this stuff would would understand. But Apple Apple takes categories for podcasts. There's yeah, yeah. There's a main category, and then there's a subcategory. So I'm in the main category, health and fitness. And then in the subcategory, medicine. So, <laughs> okay. So because, the, you know, you got to pick one of them. So I'm looking here. So in Great Britain, I am number 45 in the medicine category today. That's mad. That is crazy. Yeah. I bet there's loads of uh, countries you wouldn't even think of. So like my TikTok, when I first started it, I just I have a specific diabetic one. And like 
I was going like crazy viral in like Budapest, France. There was like some videos I got where it got like 4 million views and it was all in like random regions. And like at the start, I'm now finally my audience is sort of majority UK and America, which is cool. Yeah. But at the start, honestly, I was, I was having to translate in the comments stuff I was saying and really? basically put a transcript in as many different languages as possible because my audience at the start was majority random countries. <laughs> like we, ones you wouldn't even think diabetes is probably bigger. Yeah. So because I have this screen open to answer your first question, this is going to take like 20 seconds. Okay. But yeah, uh, the, this podcast is currently charting in Malawi, Turks and Caicos, Brunei, Nambia, Bahrain, Moldova, Cambodia, Qatar, Malta, Latvia, Egypt, Luxembourg, Iceland, Kenya, Bulgaria, Nigeria, Slovakia, Kuwait, Vietnam, Slovenia, Greece, Romania, the Czech Republic. It's not the Czech Republic. It's Czech Republic, United Arab Emirates, Hungary, Chile, Thailand, Finland, Israel, Argentina, Hong Kong, Philippines, Belgium, India, South Africa, Switzerland, Italy, New Zealand, Netherlands, Japan, Denmark, Ireland, Norway, Mexico, Spain, Sweden, France, Australia, Canada, Great Britain, and the U.S. That is crazy, isn't it? Yeah. It's about, it's like you, ne- you only ever think, like, I know how, so I, I lived in America for a short period of time, um, basically came back and forth from the South about probably eight to nine months. And I, you, I only ever think of like how it is for Americans. I obviously know it's, it's very different over there compared to at least getting your medication in the U.K., and so you never think that like, I wonder what it's like for people in some of them, like Egypt, like how do they manage diabetes? Do they have, do they have CGMs? Do they have ins- like the same insulin? Like you wouldn't even think stuff like that. But obviously it's a disease which is, what is it? One in 40 now have a, a form of diabetes. So yeah, you, it's going to be worldwide, isn't it? Yeah. And because a lot of the, a lot of the technology that people desire is US based. And those mm. and those companies do not have an easy time getting set up overseas. And then on top, oh, yeah. you know what I mean. And then on top of all that, there's an expense to set up, and there's probably a cost analysis where they say, "I don't know, we can't afford to get into this country." You would um be surprised by mostly it's UAE, Bahrain. Like Brunei, like in their cutter, I get a lot of emails from people who are like, I'm going to leave the country and buy supplies and then fly yeah. back again. And, they, and they're trying to mm. make a plan. Some people, there's, there was somebody on here once that, that regularly flies into the U.S., buys supplies and cash, and then just flies back again. That's crazy to me. I know there's a, a way, to, there's obviously the price cuts that are going on at the minute in America. And it's obviously, if you have insurance, it's totally different. But my biggest fear, I was the opposite. So obviously in, in the UK, we get everything prescribed via the NHS, which is great. Um, so I, when I was working in America, it happened to fall during COVID. I was in Miami. And the big decision for me was, obviously no one knew how long that whole period of time would last. We got told on the news it might be a three-week lockdown or whatever. And my mum was saying to me, she's like, you've got to take into consideration with you, it's different because it's not just free. If you get stuck out there the whole summer and there's no flights home, how much is your insulin requirements? How much is your CGMs going to cost? And when we priced it up, it was far more worthwhile to get a flight from America, even at the prices they were going at at that point, yeah. to get a flight home just in case. And obviously, end up lasting, what, a couple of years? So. Thank yeah. God I did. Uh, but yeah, it's crazy. Like, people will fly to America. But to me, when I hear 
I get tagged in some stuff on TikTok, some people saying how much they paid for their medication this month, and I, I feel sick when you see it, because it's not... I don't think medication in general you should pay for, but then when you see people paying thousands of pounds for an autoimmune disease and for medication which keeps them alive, you can see why people do stupid things like not inject the right amount or try and use as little insulin as possible, which then makes themselves ill. It's like when you're paying that much for it, like you can see why people are doing stupid stuff. Yeah. Oh, I think it's a, a not just money, but it, I think it turns into a rationing mentality where mm-hmm. where they're just like, I can't run out of this. You, you know, like, yeah. like what's worse than not taking enough, not taking any. And so, yeah, I'll, yeah so I'll just keep stretching. I mean, it's, it's horrible. Now, I don't know how, where, where are you, you know what, why don't we do this? Why don't we tell everybody who you are before we keep talking? So. Yeah, let's do this, let's do this. <laughs> Introduce yourself. Uh, so I'm Brian Taylor, I'm 26 years old, I'm from the UK. Um, it's a small city in the UK, but you won't know it, it's Coventry, but the closest city you'll know to it is London. Um, yeah, I've had diabetes since I was 10 years old, and just made the, the best of it, I'd say. I'd say I'm definitely one big thing I preach on social media and you work I've done with Diabetes UK is the worst thing you can tell a diabetic person is they can't do something because of their condition. I think I've always tried to show that <laughs> through maybe lifestyle choices, uh, career choices. I've definitely tried to do as many things that people wouldn't think diabetics could do. And I guess that's what sort of uh, drives me now. Yeah. How did we end up hooking up how did you get on the podcast i really don't do you know what it was i got a reminder <laughs> a week ago no about a month ago i think it was go on the g-spot box podcast and i was like so what and i i looked at it and it was a reminder from a year ago i was booked on but it was that you had that much of a backlog of people coming on here it was june last year i think it was in the uk it was called like world diabetes week or it might be World Diabetes Month. No, no, it's, I mean, it's World Diabetes Week. Um, and at that point, my agent had got me a load of podcasts to do diabetes ones. because I'd never really been big on sharing diabetes on social media. I wasn't, I was never sort of first to hide I had diabetes. If you knew me, you knew I had it. But I wasn't, I wouldn't go out there and openly talk about it. And then I think about a year ago, I made a decision that, like, oh, why not? So last year, I remember she booked us on about three, four, five different um, diabetes podcasts. And I think this was one of them. But it was, you had that much of a backlog of people. This was the next date, which was March 2023. <laughs> you, should, you should be on my side, bro. I'm like, oh, no, I would love to do that. Here's a link. <laughs> Just grab the first thing you can get. I said that to someone last night who emailed me yeah. back and said, I mean, it's March right now, 2023. And the person mm. emails me back and says, okay, well, I'll see you around Thanksgiving. And I was like, great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was literally that, about that long away. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, it was really cool. Obviously, I... Uh, one of the podcasts I'd already listened to anyway. Um, there's definitely a few that I think are really good. And yeah, it was, it was, it's cool to be on here. Excellent. Um, agent. Why do you have an agent? Uh, so I do like, <laughs> I do like reality TV, acting, uh, loads of different things. And uh, after doing a reality show uh, in 2021, it was um, a company approached me and just said like, we'll help like yeah we'll work for you we'll get you more work in different areas so they've definitely it's definitely been fun like i've done a lot of acting since i've managed to do a lot of uh, tv commercials adverts and stuff it's never going to be my main thing like i'm never a reality tv i don't care about reality tv like every so often the odd thing pops up that i'm like i want to do that 
um and i'll i'll get put forward for it but apart from that it's just it's it, again it's life experiences it's uh when i was like 16 15 14 i never thought i'd have a chance to do any stuff like that so when uh when i got approached and asked to do it it's always a yes for me i'm definitely always um uh, no, i'll never die with any regrets let's say that what reality show were you on so i did uh in, when i was a kid a little baby i was 21 i did a show called ib for weekender which is uh about partying <laughs> And then uh, in 2021, I did the UK version of Jersey Shore uh, called Geordie Shore. Oh, no kidding. And yeah, yeah. Was... Did any of those things raise your profile in a way that was shocking to you? Um, more like, so when, so like, I've been, so it's hard to explain. So, so I've been weekend when we got offered that, we were so young. And to us, it was a dead shot. Like, it had totally been. I didn't even watch it anymore and I was like like 19. I was probably like just above the target audience who watches that show. It's just about going to IB fair, partying a little bit. Um and where I'm that and uh, so not I didn't take full advantage of all the opportunities that come after that, but we got like a decent amount of like a little bit of a following from it. Geordie Shaw is the sort of show that you'd expect to get a lot from. But I'm always realistic in it, like it was season 25 or something that I went on. Mm-hmm. Like the people that watch this crap for years. <laughs> The main reason I did it was um, it was my favorite show when I was a teenager. Like when I was 13, I never thought I'd get a chance to go on it. When I got offered it, I was like, yeah, it didn't do, it's not, the show didn't do any well. I think it's actually been, uh, I think it is finished now. It's always on its last series. But the opportunities after have been, like I said, getting into agent, getting into so many different things in podcasting, um, said acting, commercial, everything like that. I do always have to pay. I do put a lot of it down to, I get, I got basically a foot in the door from Geordie Shaw. I do think the only reason I still get a lot of opportunities in that sort of world is because I do well at them. I don't think you're not getting just offered stuff just because you went on the reality show a couple of years ago. <laughs> like you've got to see that you've got um, a good background in actually overperforming everything you do. And I do think, uh, yeah, that's pretty much why we still get it. But Joy Shaw was some people thought, oh, there was other people on it with me who were doing their first season on it. They thought, oh, I'll never work a job again. And I was thinking, come on. <laughs> like, reality, reality TV definitely pays more in America as well. But it also is just watched by more people. It's so oversaturated in the UK now that, like, I did it because it's a once in a lifetime experience. That's why I see it as. I didn't do it so. I wouldn't have to do anything for the rest of my life and I'd live off doing <laughs> crappy po- crappy posts on Instagram. <laughs> that, must have, that must have been like just sitting there listening to someone say, well, this is it. We're, I'm famous now. Yeah. I'm like, no. You, you'd be what... shocked. There are people who move country for it, like from other parts of the UK into the England for it. There's people who have left their jobs for it. I did none of that. I got paid holiday by my other job and then I went online and got paid to do it. So I got double pay basically. <laughs> there was nothing. Yeah, I didn't do it. It was never the end goal for me. I was for anything that comes from it. It's just, it's just an add-on. But at bare minimum, I have this crazy experience of getting filmed, partying, having a bit of fun and going on the show that I loved when I was a teenager. Yeah. So it's, so am I saying it right? Geordie Ge- Shore? Yeah, Geordie Shore, yeah. Okay. Um, it- so when I looked, like I've been like banging around while we're talking and everything. There's an article here that says the, the Daily Mirror is it? Yeah, I bet you saw it. <laughs> yeah it, it's like it's it says uh, Ryan Taylor claimed the show's producer would not let him discuss diabetes while dating on the show. Is that true? Yeah, uh, yeah. I I've tried to get some of these things removed just because. Well, to be fair, have, I'm not too bothered about that one. Um, I'm bothered about some other stuff. I, I on my old TikTok, definitely call out a lot of things by reality TV just for a bit of fun. And 
they seem to make it into a lot of papers. Uh, the problem with it now is, in my head, I still, I still wouldn't mind doing another show at some point, and it doesn't look good when you type in your name on Google and that comes up. Oh, but um, oh. yeah, like I had someone the other day. Basically, they were uh, one speech about a show. It seemed quite interested. They turned around and said they brought up three or four different articles, and they said that doesn't look good if you want to be in this industry. And I just said like I don't really want to be in the industry. Like you messaged me. Like I'm not gonna, <laughs> I'm not gonna change it. But um, with the diabetes one, that was more specific because I was starting. I was starting to get a feel for posting like, diabetic content on TikTok. And I just, I remember, remember someone from when I was on the show, I basically was, it's sort of set up who you're dating, but I was dating a fellow diabetic. And you don't know this person before you get there. We get on the show, we start having a chat about diabetes and the producers come over to us straight away and say, oh, it's really good that he's getting on, but we can't air any of that. So I'm, I'm, I made a TikTok about it and people, <laughs> people were quite, um, like they've a lot of people on my side. Like some people are like, oh, who cares about diabetes? But some people were like, oh, it's awful. They wouldn't do that. I wasn't making that to attack the show. I've attacked the show about loads of other stuff. But personally, with the diabetes thing, I do understand it. It's not the best look for a type one diabetic when we're talking about diabetes and our experience with it. And then that night we're both blackout drunk. I get it. It's, it's a it's a party show at the end of the day. So they probably don't want to be seen as giving advice that this is the lifestyle you should live with diabetes. Mm-hmm. I also think when it's two people who uh who they wouldn't the sun extent are diabetic, but when you meet someone, you want to date someone, you've got a connection with them, and they also have the same condition as you. Yeah. To me, that was pretty cool. And that was a big thing of like why we got on, like, even if we had no connection romantically. We've both got a condition which is is pretty cool to have. We've both done quite cool things. She's a performer, singer. Um, so the fact that we were able to bond over that, to me, if you cut that whole part out, you're cutting out quite a big part of our story on the show. So that was a, what I that was my main gripe with it. But yeah, the Daily Mirror ran with that one. <laughs> oh, that, that's so. So you are in this house. I mean, I assume the idea is, and Ryan, I don't know another way to say this. Um, as as a uh, as a guy who doesn't date okay. men, but you're you're hot, like you're like, <laughs> like you're a very attractive guy. So um, so they put you in this house, I imagine, with other incredibly attractive people, and then alcohol on top, and then they film what happens. And yeah, you're, so- you're you meet a girl, and as you're talking to her, realize that the two of you have diabetes. So the, the 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 thing that I've said to people in the comments that the, the thing I was more bothered about is I thought the way we found out we were each other with diabetic was very interesting. So I knew a little bit about Amelia. Uh, I had Googled her and stuff like that. I knew the basics, didn't know she was diabetic. We get in there and like on I think night one, everyone's sort of getting ready for the second part of the night, do outfits change so it looks like a different night on camera or whatever. Mm-hmm. And she's in our room. And she's like looking in the mirror with some of the girl and she says, Oh my God, I'm so full of bruises on my leg or whatever. And she turns around to us and she, uh, and I was like, I think I turned around to her and said, Don't be stupid, your legs look fine. She says, Oh, no, they don't. It's, it's from injections. And she's like, By the way, I'm diabetic. It's not like heroin or anything. <laughs> and like, we comes up, burst out laughing. Um, but like, it was just like a funny way of her talents. And obviously, I'm like, Oh, I'm diabetic too. And she, and to be fair, it was like just being in there with it. She had like a, a CGM, which I had always been against having one of them. And like just getting to speak to her a few days, it made me trial one straight after it. So like, I do think it would have been cool to have little moments of that in there. Um, but at the same time, like I guess to me, it matters more because I'm diabetic. Is that what the audience really cares about? Well, that's for the producers to decide. Yeah, maybe maybe it makes you too real. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, 
reality <laughs> without being um although they've not done reality tv but reality tv is um less real than some things i've done in acting we'll just say that it's very <laughs> they the the producers have an idea of what they what they want from each person they have people writing down a script each evening of what they think is going to happen the next day and they're essentially trying to make it fit that script because mm-hmm. they're, they're only, they can only film for so long and if everyone's just getting on happy as larry and nothing's going wrong and there's no chaos then where's the drama in these episodes so right. i think a lot of people don't realize that reality tv is probably more scripted than the uh, scripted entertainment <laughs> entertainment that they watch <laughs> you're telling me that curb your enthusiasm is not as well <laughs> as, as well scripted as, as this show so well you know but to dig into it for a half a second more like putting yourself in the perspective mm. the perspective of the producer of the show like you're trying to paint a picture of like I mean, it, it's it's young, attractive, sex, alcohol, right? Yeah, like, and, yeah and that's then, it. And then you're along there going, so a, a CGM, what is that? Yeah, of course. <laughs> they're, probably, they're probably sitting there thinking, what, what are they talking about? Like, we want we want someone talking about cheating and this <laughs> and that. And, oh, I love her after one day. I, I get it. You know I mean, I, it's I, not interesting to anyone else. And that's why when I made the TikTok, I saw such uproar. I, I was sort of like, no, like I wasn't mad. Like, I understand it. Like, yeah, yeah. who the hell wants to watch that? When and at that Geordie Shore, obviously, it's very similar to Geordie Shore. It's even more than a normal reality TV show. It's branded as sex, party, relationships, all that stuff. I just imagine people in like a, a room somewhere wearing headphones, like, you know, overseeing the filming. And one of them turning to the other one and going, did the hot guy just tell the hot girl that he has diabetes? Like that's <laughs> that's not fun. You know, like, yeah. Wait, wait, wait. No, we, wait, we need to cut that out. <laughs> they're really getting into it. What in the hell? Somebody look up a CGM. What's a CGM for God's sake? Like <laughs> these two separate them. <laughs> yeah, literally. person then. It was definitely a spanner in the works of what they expected, but it's, <laughs> well, it's, but I always, yeah. I always try. Like I said, I, I'm always going to be real to me when I'm on them shows and stuff like that. I, I was already pretty uncomfortable the fact that you're dating on TV. It wasn't meant to be dating. It got switched again. That's another COVID story. Um, it was meant to be the ultimate party season. Um, so I'm not actually from. So Geordies are from Newcastle in the UK. I'm not from Newcastle, but the whole concept of this season, because Geordie Shaw was sort of getting boring, dying out a little bit. We're going to take people who work very party jobs elsewhere. So I was on it because I was a nightclub promoter in America. Um, we had a dancer on it. He was dancing in nightclubs. We had strippers, all sorts. We were going in and we were going to be the new party, the the young party animals that were going to show the original cast like how yeah. to party. We get into isolation, which is sort of they keep you in there to make sure a few days before you go on the show so they can get everything set up. While that happens, uh, another COVID lockdown happens and all of a sudden the whole show changes to we can't leave the actual Geordie Shore house now. So we need to come up with a whole new plan. So that's when it became, oh, you're dating each other. At that point, if you leave, you're not getting paid. You've just wasted all these weeks in isolation and you don't even get to see if it's going to be a good show or not. So it, the fact it was like dating alone was a bit like weird for me. I just think like, I'm never gonna like I, you know I'm never gonna meet anyone on TV, especially reality TV, who's actually what I look for in a girl. Mm-hmm. So uh, I definitely, uh, yeah, I, I was always gonna be myself on it. But I knew like as soon as it changed from partying to dating, I can party hard, but I'm probably not gonna be the most entertaining person dating. Like I have my specific type, and that's always what I go for. Brian, I'm gonna ask a difficult question. You just said something, right? You just said mm-hmm. I'm not gonna meet a girl that I'm interested in dating on a reality show. Yeah, but you're on a reality show. 
So are you a guy that <laughs> are you a guy that w- women wouldn't be interested in dating? Oh mate, I've, I'm very lucky to have found a woman who puts up with dating me. I'm a nightmare state, and I, I let her know, like there's so many things that I do in career wise. It's never for just being a, a terrible boyfriend or anything. There's so many things I do career wise which is not fun to be my girlfriend when I'm doing that. Yeah. When I'm doing an ad and they decide on the day that okay, you're going out with this girl in the ad, you've got to kiss her. My girlfriend has to put up with that. It's a, it's money. It's an advert. It's one of them. Um. I wouldn't date myself. <laughs> I like to think I'm really good in every other way. But yeah, the I personally don't think it's probably fun to date someone who does the, the line of work I do. Um, but like I said, if, if I find someone that will put with it, then I'm quite a lucky man. <laughs> yeah. Oh, of course. So you're, um, you say you're 26? Yeah, 26. Okay. So you said earlier, what, what was the other show? Ibiza Weekender? Is that, or Uncovered? Yeah, I'd be... Yeah, I'd be for weekend. That's now changed to a different show. It's now called Cavos Weekend. But yeah, I'd be for. I was on there years ago. Oh, okay. Young. Oh, so they stopped. Abiza went to Cavos, and yeah, they, it's just uh, like a basically same thing when Geordie Shaw changed up and put in new people. It was the same as that. The show was getting a bit old, so they just changed location. <laughs> gotcha. And and so how how many different places have you like? How long I guess does it take to film a show? That's my first question. Oh, you'll be surprised. It depends on what is getting fit in. Like, for example, like Geordie Shaw, usually, like the, the normal Geordies loved us on that show because they'll film for six weeks to make eight episodes. But it's because there's, there's so little stuff happening that, like, you need to film for that long to get enough spare stuff that can go in the show. Mm-hmm. With us, because we all went in there and it was dating, like, every episode you had. All the people who were currently dating each other, you had to show their dates, show whatever's going on with them. Do they get with each other? Do they not? And then you had new people entering. Who's he going to go for? Who's she going to go for? There was that much. Sorry, Joy Shaw, we filmed for literally days, mate. Days. It was. And they got a whole series out of it. And I think, like, it's crazy. Like, when I think, when you actually work out why we got paid per day because of that, it was very well. Um, on a usual series of a reality show, will take probably, you're looking at, if it, if it's at least two weeks up to a six upwards of six weeks to film, right. but um, we managed to get it. Well, I got ours done in less than a week because there's that much going on. Each day was actually like two episodes. So it's interesting um, using Big Brother in America as an example, but there's mm. there's sort of like two different kinds of watchers. There are the people who want to see the program that comes on once or twice a week. It's an hour long. It's just it's it's everything turned up to a hundred because it's those little moments. And then there are mm-hmm. there are other people who will watch the live stream of just people wandering. Nothing happening. Nothing. Yeah. Just people living. Like like watching an mm-hmm. anthill from far away, you know. And um I don't know, it's uh I don't care for it one way or the other, if I'm being honest. I don't really? I, I mean like so, my my daughter think- when my daughter was younger, my wife, yeah. my daughter, my daughter's friends, like they would like all come to the house and sit and watch like Big Brother, for example. And then they'd sit around and talk about it afterwards, like this one and like that. And I was like, oh my God, like I would just leave. I'd go, I'm going to go upstairs now. <laughs> but so Big big Brother has a, as is our place. So I always had this thing, I've said it on loads of podcasts. I said, when I was a, a teenager, and if you looked at me when I was a, a teenager and you thought I'd ever do reality TV, you'd, you'd be off your mind. Like there's no chance you'd ever think I'd make it on. So I always go based on this. My three favorite TV shows when I was a reality TV shows when I was a teenager. One was Magaluf Weekender, which turned into Ibiza Weekender, which is now Kavos Weekender. So I got on that. 
My other one was Geordie Shaw and my third one was Big Brother. So that is going to be the last one that I want to do. So hopefully <laughs> at some on. point we get that. Yeah, it's, it's, it, I know it's coming back in the UK this year. It would definitely be something that I um, reach out to them about going on. It's not like the world don't, but it's just, it would be cool because I've said it in podcasts for uh, probably about two, three years now. Like, oh, that's the only reality show I'd do left. And like, it would be pretty cool to do that. So, yeah. It's huge in my house. There's a cup in my cabinet that says Big Brother on it because they bought, they bought, <laughs> they bought them to use while they were watching the show. Um, you know, and I think too, and then we'll move on, but I see, I can see the perspective of of a producer who would say, wow, these two people have diabetes. It's not interesting to anybody who doesn't have diabetes. It's not what we're selling mm. here. But I think it's short-sighted because a lot of people have diabetes. And I think they would have been really interested in it and probably would have latched onto you and come back to hear more about it or just to see you after they realized you had type 1. Mm, 100%. Yeah. I um, I don't think it was actually the board, like the thing that people wouldn't be interested in. from what I gathered from Amelia, which I, I said on the TikTok, I said, I think it's, it was purely the fact that they can't be seen as giving any sort of medical advice. They don't want to do it. And they never want to get in caught in a situation where, Oh, I'm type one. I saw these two people who have type one on, on your reality show. I started partying every weekend and now something tragic happened to me. Mm. I don't think they ever want to be cast with anything like that, yeah. which is it is fair enough. I, I do get that. Um, whether it was also the thing of it's not interesting to them, then I don't know. But that's what Amelia said to me. They said they can't be seen as giving any sort of medical advice on such a complicated condition. That's interesting. And Amelia Lilly, right? We can say her name once. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I just pulled her up, and I agree. Her legs look fine. So, um, <laughs> Amelia's yeah. amazing. I love Amelia. Yeah, She's yeah. Sanger. Terrific. Uh, she was on X Factor in UK. Yeah, that's so. That was our big storyline. So when they came into me and they said you're dating Amelia, like, what do you like about her? I quickly was like, oh crap! Like, I watched her years ago on the X Factor, and I really fancied her. So their their big storyline was I've had a crush on her since I was eighteen. I was like, mm, you sort of you sort of adjusted that a bit. I just said I really liked Johnny X Factor, but so that's what they that's what this storyline ran with. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna say she's two years older than you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, well, apparently she is my childhood crush or something. If you look on YouTube, there's some clips of Amelia makes Ryan's childhood dreams come true or something. So <laughs> hilarious. Yeah, they uh, they love a story. They love a story. Yeah, no, that's interesting. So okay, um. Where do I want to go from here? Um, you, I do have one. I guess I have one question. It, it's going to sound like it's about the show, but it's not really. Mm. When I, I get contacted by a lot of people and they want to know how do I successfully drink, and to your point, like really drink <laughs> with diabetes, and I mean, is this what, what is the secret? Is the secret you leave your blood sugar high so you don't have a problem with a low while you're drinking, or do you really have it worked out? Hey guys, just jumping in to remind you that one of our sponsors, BetterHelp, is offering 10% off your first month of therapy when you use my link, betterhelp.com forward slash juicebox. That's betterhelp.com forward slash juicebox. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service. It is 100% online, boasts over 25,000 licensed and experienced therapists, and you can talk to them however you want, text, chat, phone, or on video. You can actually message your therapist at any time and schedule live sessions when it's convenient for you. Now, the Contour Next Gen blood glucose meter 
is incredibly accurate. It's easy to use. It has a huge screen so you can easily read it. And it has a nice bright light for viewing at night. Uh, should I do the rest of the ad like one fish, two fish, red fish, red fish, red fish, blue. Apparently I can't. Contournext.com forward slash juice box. The Contour Next Gen blood glucose meter may cost you less in cash than you're paying right now through your insurance. That would be crazy, wouldn't it? Go to contournext.com forward slash juice box. Click on the buy now button. You'll see all the places you could buy it right now. It has second chance test strips, which means you won't waste test strips if you can't get enough blood the first time, which is not to say that it needs a lot of blood. This meter needs a tiny bit of blood, but I'm just saying if you mess up or something happens, you head back over, you get the rest of the blood without wasting the test strip or ruining the accuracy of the test. We all deserve an accurate blood glucose meter, and it's easy to overlook them, but don't. Contournext.com forward slash juice box. Now we're going to get back to Ryan, and the conversation is going to shift from reality TV to type 1 diabetes. And in my opinion, Ryan has a lot of very valuable things to say about type 1. Um, there's no sweet science to it, to be honest. There's, um, like I said, when I was a club promoter, that was probably the riskiest years of my life because you'd be out all night partying and you'd also be risking so many of the hormonal things which play, which play a factor on your blood sugar. So a total lack of sleep because we'd be up first thing the next day getting people signed up on our table for that night. So there was so many things that come into it. My thing is always a routine. I've said it to you before, it, it sounds like the most reckless lifestyle ever. But even when I lived in Vegas, I had a routine. I knew at a certain time, whether it's 4 a.m., 4.30, I'm going to be wrapping up at the club. I know that ideally I'm going to want to be in bed by, let's say, 6. I'm going to be up at 11 so I can get back out on, on the strip and start getting people in. So if I knew that, to me, I always did inject for my drinks. And this is because I've got to the point where I cannot drink vodka Diet Coke. I hate it. <laughs> if you drink vodka Diet Coke, you you should be okay, really. Your blood sugar shouldn't really spike, and then you'll get a drop plate and you can't that with food. For me, I have to drink some of a bit of sugar in because I, I hate the taste of that drink now. So I would inject as I go along during the night. And then when you get to the point where you're going to go low, I would then eat before bed and i'm lucky that i can eat through anything so no matter what even if i'm ridiculously drunk and i'm gonna be sick i'll eat through and i'll stomach it fine and then i'll wake up in the morning at a good level now i um now i'm more of a wine guy i guess i'm getting old <laughs> and again wine is a bit of a blood sugar spiker and a drop later but again i won't be out all night anymore i'm not not as much of a party so if i'm drinking it it's definitely a thing where I inject for what I'm drinking. I, I take into account because I drink it fairly often. I know how much it's going to raise my blood sugar. Mm -hmm. And then uh, when you get to the point where several hours later, where you're going to start getting that drop from it, I'll eat again. Um, it's not as convenient. I do think sometimes if you're in a position where you can't, maybe you haven't got a CGM, it's more inconvenient. You're not going to be testing yourself a lot. Um, it might be better to let your blood sugars run slightly high and then the drop won't affect you uh, through the night. But to me, it's just, it's preparation. Like, yeah, I I used to go out without a test kit sometimes, and I used to go and go to bed before without testing. And I'd always think about now, nah, like, God, I'm so like it's only a few years ago, but I feel like God, I wouldn't dare do like now. Nah, I'd always check because I know how fast things can change your blood sugar. Um, 
I just think if you're more prepared, no matter what, if you test at night, even if you're still high, you know to factor in, okay, I'm going to drop by a certain amount because of the alcohol. But it's trial and error. I'm not saying go out and drink every weekend just so you can <laughs> factor it in, just so you <laughs> learn enough about it. But if you drink once a year, it's going to be a lot harder to to know what to inject for when you when you're drinking right. than if you're you're doing it a little bit more regularly. So if it's a once a year occasion, maybe err on the side of caution and suffer with some bad blood sugar after that one night because it's not worth risking it to me. Yeah. So you, when you were younger, you I mean you basically just got lucky for a while. You didn't get too oh. Right, and then your blood sugars there were probably higher. There were, there were times where I got lucky with higher and, and lower. There was times that I, I have vivid memories of one certain night where we got back after an all-day, like, I guess it's a rave or whatever in Ibiza, and I remember getting on, into bed, and at this point, I was getting a weird thing where I wasn't sensing my blood sugars as well, and I wasn't sensing going low as well as usual. And I, I still was just risking it as I did. And I knew we had a big day tomorrow. So I took a sleeping tablet. And uh, as I was literally dozing off, I remember rolling over and being like, crap, I better test myself. Test myself and I was 4.1. And I'd been partying all day, drinking all day, a lot of steps, a lot of alcohol. I would have went crazy low. And that sleeping tablet could have prevented me from waking up. Yeah. And... There was there's vivid memories of that where it's like God, thank God, I rolled over and tested myself because I didn't do that the previous two nights when I took a sleeping tablet. So there's there's definitely the, I was so lucky. I had the best time of my life doing it. It was unreal. I couldn't even think of being that reckless now. Hmm. Yeah, four point one for people listening uh, is seventy four. So yeah, you're, you're like <laughs> you're you're about as low as you want to be, uh, and yeah. and then you're falling asleep and you're and you're waiting for a sleeping pill to kick in on top of all that. Yeah. That, yeah. And you've got the drop of all the alcohol wearing off, potentially the, the post-exercise drop, because mm-hmm. that was one thing when we were abroad, we were racking up 20, 30,000 steps a day when we were at a, a party, a rave every night. So, yeah, you're looking at a big, sizable drop. Like I went and had a lot of food that night. I think I still woke up at like a only like a slightly lowish level the next day. So, so you, may I say, if I mm-hmm. drank to excess and without eating late at night and everything, I don't think I'd have abs. So where, <laughs> how, is there a lot of exercise in your life as well? Um, very, so it was a lot more when I was, younger. I was a personal trainer for many years and it was my life. Like I didn't see it as my life, but when I work, when I actually look at how, when you're in the gym all day, you got time, you can stretch in the middle of the day, you can do some cardio in the morning, I'd get in a session after work, I'd go sauna, steam room. I can't be like that now, I'm busy 24-7. But one thing I am is I'm very, if you look at my TikTok, you you think I eat terribly. And it is sort of, to prove a point, my TikTok is very much me eating crap food and injecting for it. And a, a lot of it is to show, um, I'm very big on showing that like you, you can do what you want with diabetes you can manage it no matter what you don't have to eat zero carb you don't have to do anything but i think the only way to still have uh, the only way it works for me doing this is if i still have good blood sugars and i still look reasonable with while doing it so the the way i do it is i i'm very active i try and get in 10 15 000 steps every single day uh i try and do some form of weight training every day um i do some of my outside hobbies i do professional wrestling so i'm training for that at the minute so there's a, there is a lot of activity in my life. Uh, I'm trying to be like more functionally fit now, but it's not like when I was a personal trainer and I was living to be like a bodybuilder or even when I was a 
a club promoter in America. Like, yeah. I cared very much about how the I was going to look on the beach. Right now, my main priority is always health. Um, but yeah, a big part of it is I'm still going to eat, eat crap because I want to show people that, like, mainly that, like, you can still do it with diabetes. I get so I get 25, 20 to 50 odd messages a day uh, via TikTok or Instagram asking for like, advice on like diet, diabetes. And I, I do think, like, it's, I do think I will reach a lot of people in the next few years and hopefully get off a message that you can do what you want with diabetes because for so long they've been told by doctors, gurus, dietitians that um, your carbs have to be under 50 grams a day. You don't get to enjoy this ever. You don't get to enjoy that. And that's actually why, in my opinion, they suffer so badly when they do. You're never going to keep on that diet for life. So when you do have that cheat day at Christmas Day and you have that cheesecake, you don't know what the how to inject freaks. You've never ate bad. <laughs> you've mm. never ate, you've stuck to your diet so well that all of a sudden when you throw in a lot of carbs and fats, yeah, your blood sugars go sky high and then you're reaffirming what that person's told you. Oh my God, I can't eat foods like that. I think, I don't think people should be taught that. And a very big thing, I'm working with Diabetes UK at the minute um, to do seminars with young children. And a big thing is there's like, try like you're going to try everything in your life anyway. Right. I'll be open honest and tell you my my experiences with everything not just food but with partying with girls with this and that i'm not going to run to your dads and tell them <laughs> but I'll, I'll i'll be totally honest with you guys and my biggest advice is be your own encyclopedia of knowledge like you don't ever learn how to deal with a certain situation if you don't put yourself in that situation right ryan i have to tell you I, i'm certain you probably don't listen to this podcast but you and i are so aligned on this it's it's, That's good. it's absolutely <laughs> freaky. It's I started this podcast saying to people, I don't care how you eat. That's not my business. You mm -hmm. you need to understand how insulin works with the foods you're eating. And because, exactly. right, and you can go ahead and restrict carbs, but it's always been my just from my personal experience doing that just at some point there's just a day where you go i, I can't eat chicken again you, you know or mm. like, i just i can't i can't do it anymore like i don't want bacon like you don't want to get into a spot in your life when you don't want bacon you, you know mm. and, and if you and, yeah and so you need to understand how does this insulin work in this situation for me and then after that i tell people you go eat any way you want and apply that knowledge to what you're doing because i want you to have stable lower safe range blood sugars no matter what you want to do and your activity levels and everything i'm just it's so funny because i'm listening to you for the last couple of minutes and i was like with the exception of the fact that you are half my age 700 times better looking than i am and <laughs> and british you and i are saying the same exact thing so that's <laughs> and, I, like, and I, I think it's so necessary because there's there is other people who I actually really admire in the, the diabetes space online because they motivate me to to do better. But I put myself in the perspective of a few years ago when I saw that sort of content saying you've got to eat like this, you've got to eat that. It would make me it would put me off ever wanting to talk about diabetes on social media. So I've never been that. I've always been someone who's at exactly what I've wanted to eat. I can't do a keto diet. I burn through so many calories in a day. I would I don't even know how many hundreds of grams of fat I'd have to eat to sustain my body weight. Like I. It just wouldn't happen. So I would see still people online. And for so long, I went to like share my story with diabetes. I never did because I was like, I'm not that person. I haven't got totally perfect reasons. I don't eat 100 grams of carbs a day. I, I eat what I want. And I realized like the more people, they don't want to be told you've got to do that. They want to be educated on exactly how insulin works 
and how can how much how you can then use that to help you with whatever your diet needs whatever your exercise needs are i think uh, a big thing we benefit from now is how easy it is all food labels have carbohydrate counts on them all my fitness pal all the different apps you can use now there's other trackers in america as well we're in a there's a massive benefit to having technology in this time yeah and uh we shouldn't be told. I did a. I did a quite a controversial. I did try and be a bit controversial on TikTok today. I said, if you're a guru, if you're a doctor, if you're a parent, and you tell your, your kids they've got to eat a certain way, they uh, or they can't participate in the same hobbies as their friends going to, they can't live a certain lifestyle that they've always dreamed of living. You are the problem. That you are what's going to cause depression, anxiety, unhappiness uh, in your children. You're not going to let them. Uh, live the life they want to and then they're going to be they're always going to resent having diabetes because i did for years and now it's one of the most positive things in my life hmm. i say it all the time to people like, i hated having it for years I, it was always oh my god even when i was living a good life in america i partying abroad it was always oh do you know what? if i didn't have to bring my insulin pump over here i wouldn't need an extra three suitcases worth of stuff like <laughs> but but um but at the same time now i see it's only positive because some of the, the best people i meet is through social media and uh talking about diabetes getting to and it keeps me more on track it keeps me more on track because when i know i'm posting my readings on my story every day on tiktok i'm going to be a little bit better than i usually would so there's definitely um yeah i don't think people should ever be scared to talk about diabetes i do a lot of tiktoks talking about uh, diabetes and dating and how early you should mention it when you're dating someone some people they're like Telling me, oh, I've always been scared to mention it on a date. And I've got to the point now where I used to hide it for weeks, months until they had to see me inject. Mm -hmm. That's the first time I talk about it. I now it'd be one of the first things I talk about because it's such a big part of my life. And I think it's only getting to the point where you're comfortable with your diabetes, comfortable with your management of it. You know, it doesn't change anything in your life, really, apart from the fact you've got to be screwed on 24 7. Yeah. Um, that's what's made me embrace it. Ryan, what's your handle on TikTok? I don't follow anybody on TikTok, but you're going to be my first. <laughs> uh, so Ryan T1D. All right. And I don't think that's completely true. I do. I think I follow a couple of people, but all right. I see, <laughs> I see you. I'm gonna, yeah. All right. Y Ryan, can I say something that's going to sound wrong at first, but you'll, yeah. you'll take it the right way. I don't know how to say this. I made an <laughs> I made an assumption about you because of how you look, and I wasn't right. Really? No, I love that. I love that you said that. Yeah. No, you look. What was he? Well, here's what I mean. Just in case you're not understanding right, you're pretty and in shape. And I thought, oh God, I'm gonna have to talk to this guy about reality shows for an hour. And what else are we gonna talk uh, about? And the... you're, you're the exact opposite, man. You're, yeah, it's it's exciting to talk to you about diabetes. Like you have no idea how like like just kind of like lit up I was when you were talking. I I mean yeah, I hope me, so. Yeah, I, no, no, uh, I've tried for so long. I've tried for so long to uh to not be sort of pigeonholed into being like I'm reality TV. Like I say was never a big part of life, but I do understand there's probably a conception that I'm a very big headed, all about myself person. Uh, who yeah, probably only cares about gym and this and that. And yeah, I, I tried to be very far away from that. But I said for, to doctors for years, like one of the things I loved about my parents when I got diabetes, they are the most best parents in the world. They would have done absolutely anything for me. They would have learned everything about diabetes themselves if I wanted them to. Mm -hmm. I hated the fact that I saw other kids who let their parents do that because I knew when I was going to get to 18, I was going to do stuff in my life where I wouldn't have contact with my parents. 
So I don't want to be ringing them when I'm at my first sleepover when I'm a teenager saying, how much do I inject for this coke? Like, I was, from the age of 11, I was on, like, PubMed. I was researching everything about diabetes. And I've, like I said, I've built this encyclopedia of knowledge, which is cool to share online. But I'm also very just passionate about other people's stories with diabetes. Like, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good subject for me. It's the most fun I have in my life at the moment. Yeah, I also imagine at some point you were planning on dating a ton of women and you didn't want your mom around. <laughs> you didn't need your mom there going, honey, don't forget the bolus for that. There's, yeah, yeah. Get that, get that, night, get that nighttime insulin done. Nah, I, uh, yeah, and that's the big thing. I've, I've got a lot of videos on recent this week about the importance of your partner into your diabetes management. And um, I would never slate, slight any of my exes. I, I will always have a soft spot in my heart for all of them because they were my partner during very important years of my life. Um, it's only this year I've realised how important being with my current girlfriend, how important it is to have someone who shows such an interest in your diabetes management. Mm. Uh, she doesn't sit there and want to carb count on me or anything, but she she knows how important it is to my life. Um factors that in the fact that I spent a lot of time online talking about a lot of time doing videos about it she also is massively encouraged she's she'll always be on the game plan with me so if I we yeah we we drink a lot we party when we go we do our little holidays each month we do a trip somewhere we drink a lot we party we eat crap food but if I come back and I say I need to turn it up for the next couple of weeks I'm the chef so I'll cook her anything she wants but she's always she's on that plan with me if I say my blood sugar readings haven't been good for a while I need to go to some really basic foods just so I can get back under control and sort of get a, a sense of what's going on it wouldn't even be a question she's she's on that same diet with me and uh that's really cool to have wow um if you what do I want to say if you look like me what do you think you would do for a living I think I'll do what you do and talk about diabetes. Yeah, you might, huh? Uh, all right. Well, I, I hope to. I hope to do it anyway. That is my end goal. It's it's going to sound very big headed, and but I've always been someone that as I've hoped by the time I pass away, I will have helped more young diabetics than anyone else on the planet, and that's what I intend on doing. And it doesn't even seem like a lofty goal to me, but but I know there's people out there who have maybe if it's a doctor or even people that you put out such good podcasts every single week and reach millions of people i still think by the time i pass away i will reach more and it's just because i feel like i was made to be the person to do it because of the lifestyle that i lived when i was younger that will catch the eye and will be intriguing to so many teenagers and also my honesty as well but also to, to give a full perspective on it i think it's very easy for someone maybe hasn't done anything crazy in their life to be like, oh yeah, diabetes doesn't hold you back from anything. I think I've constantly proved and I want to, one goal I've set for myself is to each year do something I never thought I could do mm-hmm. uh, because I want to prove that it doesn't hold you back from anything. And I think because of that, over time, that's my that's my goal in life at the moment. Ryan, there's no way you've seen the movie Twins with Danny DeVito and Arnold Schwarzenegger, right? I've heard of it. Okay. I love Arnold. As well, but I've never, I've never watched it. Though. You understand the concept of it that these two people who look nothing alike are actually twins. The twins, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm going to tell you something right now. We're twins. <laughs> you and I, you and I are the we're the diabetes pair of that. You're obviously that. Schwarzenegger in this scenario, and I'm Danny DeVito. <laughs> uh, but I, I've said on this podcast a bunch of times, like there are moments when you're talking about other things, and. The way I usually put it is, I guess people, some people might find it morbid, but when I die, I want a bunch of people to show up at my funeral and be like, that guy helped me. 
Mm. Like, like, like my blood sugar is better because of that. I listened to a podcast. What an odd thing. You know, like I, I pushed a couple of buttons on my phone and listened to people talk about diabetes and my health got better. And I don't, Mm. by the way, let me be clear. I don't really want you all to come to my funeral. I'm just, I'm I'm trying. I don't even think I want a funeral to be honest. I might just a little, uh, you know, when they burn you up, I think I'm good with that. And yeah, 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 I'll take that. But but my my bigger point is is just what you're saying. Like if I would keep talking about it and be serious about it, I think there's a way to reach people with good information, and I think there's a way to give it to them so that they can take it up and actually use it in their life and not just intersect with what you were kind of talking about earlier, which is the way the establishment likes to talk about diabetes, Mm. which is in a way that nobody wants to listen to, isn't in any way fun or engaging, and in the end doesn't actually help you because they won't go the extra mile to talk about how the insulin works. They'll, you know, and, and I find I want to be clear. Don't get me wrong. I'm sure there are plenty of people who eat like a low carb lifestyle because they want to and they enjoy it. And I'm not talking about them, but people who find themselves limiting their carbs because they can't figure out diabetes, I, I, I it makes me sad. And, and, mm. and for the same reason that you talked about it, like just making decisions in your life one way or the other, that that's not what you want to be doing to fit yourself into a problem that doesn't really exist. You just don't understand how to do it. And, and that's just a, it's just a shame, you know, if, if that's happening to people. I think it's the, uh, the lazy way out for the medical industry, because there's so many more factors that fit into diabetes management. If you actually break down, there's a million hormone levels, which also will cause was a big one. I had a, a huge surgery and experience firsthand the effects of high and extremely low cortisol and how that affects your diabetes after. Um, but there's a million other factors. I said that your activity in a day, you, your movement, your lack of sleep will make you insulin resistant. People, but the easiest way to just pull it in a, a manual for loads of trainee doctors to read and for them to spew it to millions of people is the less carbohydrates you eat, the less, the easier it is to control. However, it doesn't take into effect the fact that they, at some point, they either don't, might not want to eat low carb or the fact that um, it doesn't take the fact that eventually they are going to cheat. They are going to have something else. And then if you've never trained them to try enough different diets and to try enough different foods that they learn their own body, then you haven't really done anything. You basically put in a, a plaster over the, the injury, you just put it on there temporarily. Um, I do think one thing I was crazy with diets when I was younger, like I said, I was a bit of a mad scientist with my diabetes. I'd try every different form of training in the gym see how it affected the sugar i tried every diet i did it all fruit vegan diet i did the uh because i saw it was really good for making insulin sensitive i've done all meat carnival diets i've done low carb i've done high carb and then i realized like yes i might have a slightly better effect on my body with one than the other but not not worth enough to be like oh i have to eat these certain foods so then it becomes a thing of like, well, what are you going to enjoy because how many years you have on this planet your food controls a massive part of the dopamine release in your brain uh, are you really going to eat foods that you hate just so you can have that perfect HbA1c? Or are you going to just spend a little bit extra time working out how to make that HbA1c good no matter what? Right. I love you. I don't, I don't know what other people <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting here daydreaming about flying to England and doing a short podcast series with you in person about Oh, management. my God. Like, that'd be, that's got to be done now. You can't put that in my head. We've got to make this happen. I mean, honestly, <laughs> it's just – it's. 
Oh my god! I swear you're the you're the nicest surprise I've had in in, in a long time. I oh, mean, well. <laughs> yeah, ser- I, seriously, it, it's and and I don't and I and I I feel like I, I'm going to just apologize. I said it once. I'm going to. I really did misjudge you. I I honestly I did the thing that you tell people not to do. Um, I mm. went I went off some of my other experiences I've had where. Yeah, there have been people who've come on. They're like, "I'm an actress." And I'm like, "Oh, okay." And then that's like, <laughs> nothing, nothing else that happens in the conversation. You're just like, "Can we dig into any of these things?" And the answer is usually no. But you could go on yeah. forever about this, and and, yeah. and 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 really intelligently and well thought out. Like your thoughts are very clear and valuable uh, on the subject. And I'm trying to. Anyway, I'm I'm never going to do that again. Like that's uh, it's it's okay. Yes, you're hot, Ryan. Okay, and, <laughs> and you're pretty, and you're some beautiful mix of people. I don't know what your background is, but um, I, I'm just very tanned. I'm actually English only. <laughs> seriously? Oh, for certain. Yeah. I thought your mom or dad was was black. That's a, you're just tan. See how do yeah. you how do you get out in the sun? God damn it! Oh god! Now nowadays it is it's sunbeds. It's sunbeds, but it's it's more of a. I spent years in these hot countries. I was at Miami, mm. in, in Miami, and then obviously Ibiza. So I was in these hot places. I had a really good time. And then when I sort of made the decision, okay, I'm, that part of my life is over with, you realize how quickly you lose that amazing time. And it's hard. So yeah, I do spend a lot of time in bed. It's something that I don't love doing. Uh, I know it's not half before, yeah, but. I don't know um, how you yeah. got diabetes. Like everything else looks like. Do you have any other autoimmune issues? Uh, so at the minute, yeah, I, um, I've always struggled since I had the sepsis in 2021, right before going on Geordie Shore. This is what did dampen the Geordie Shore experience, to be honest. Uh, I had a, a blood clot in my leg and sepsis at the same time, hmm. two weeks before going on the show. So I, I was on crutches until the day they picked me up because I didn't tell them how bad it was. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, yeah, massive surgery on my leg, um, was absolutely out of it the whole time I was on the show. Like I was in no condition to really be on the show. Um, and then after I, I somehow, you, you, there's this thing me and my friend talk about, he's done quite a few reality TV shows. There's this uh, adrenaline dump after doing one. Like you do this really cool thing and you go back to normal life and it's quite hard. And I wasn't ready to. So I thought, do you know what? One more summer in Ibiza. Went out, tried to party, realized very quickly I, I couldn't handle it because I would go out one day and sleep for nearly 48 hours and i was like why can't i stay up massive bags under my eyes and stuff went and got um came home got looked at and i had very low cortisol um i basically was in addison's uh shock the whole time i was out there mm-hmm. and barely, barely injecting insulin went days without injecting the insulin was still going low um so i was prescribed hydrocortisone i've successfully weaned myself off though very recently but cortisol was something i have to pay a massive look at if i now don't get the right it's crazy because i lived this crazy lifestyle for so many years not caring about sleep not caring about rest recovery diet and then now i feel everything like if i don't sleep for a couple of days i'll notice some bags in the eyes i'll notice some dry hands and it will be i'm i'm running low on cortisol um so i need to take it again but i'm i'm getting to put my building a good enough routine that we're okay so yeah no other apart from that Real good. <laughs> wow. Do you take the medication or you said you weaned yourself off of it? So I weaned myself off of it. I still have got it all prescribed so I can get it at any time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always keep some on me just in case. Uh, I do don't want to be taking uh, them sort of glucose steroids for long periods of time. They're not good. Yeah. Um, only if needed. And like I said, if, if I'm regimented on my lifestyle, 
it's it's there and it's one of them that cortisol plays such a huge impact on your diabetes wow uh and i need to take take a look at it because if you have low cortisol you've probably got low blood sugar if you have high cortisol you've probably got high blood sugar so i um i do take that into account now and that's part of why i could my friends are out in miami currently so it's hitting that time of year spring break and it's not even nearly appealing to me because i know the damage it would do to me at this point but arden's um my my daughter i'm sorry do you i don't know I don't have diabetes, Ryan. My daughter does. And, um, yeah, yeah, and, no, I know that. Yeah. And it's, I'm just, I got to the point where I was like, I don't know. I think, I think this guy's just fulfilling something he said he was going to do last year. <laughs> no, no, no. I do that. I've done my research. <laughs> uh, and so, um, but, uh, she sees a more integrative endocrinologist. Like she just turned 18. So in the States here, mm. there are pediatric endos and they're done with her now. They basically at her last visit, at the end, they go, okay, well, we need to talk about, like, you know, you getting out of here because we can't see you anymore. So um, there's a doctor that's been on a couple of times talking about thyroid stuff. She's really brilliant and helps my helps my family with a lot of things. And we were, we, get, we talked her into seeing Arden for her diabetes because she doesn't usually see people for diabetes. That's not the kind of endocrinology she does, but I don't care. This woman is, she's who... She's who I want helping Arden. And cortisol Mm. is one of the things that every time you get a blood test with her, she checks for. And I I bet you most endos don't do that. I'm going to do, I said, this is something that someone messaged me the other day saying, um, is there other factors? They told me how low carb they eat, how many thousands of steps they're doing every single day. And I listed several things which could play a massive factor in losing weight. I said, you shouldn't have to restrict your diet that much to lose weight. And iron's a big one, B12 is a big one, vitamin D is a very healthy hormone to have at the top of the reference range. And I said, your biggest ones is your thyroid, and your thyroid is massively impacted by your cortisol. You could have, even if you take thyroid medication, your thyroid levels can come back okay, but that just means it's in your blood. It isn't actively put to work if there's too high levels or too low levels of cor- uh, cortisol in your body, which is one of the things I experienced with... Um, when I had to first start taking that hydrocortisone, um, I went deadly skinny <laughs> in IV last year, which was scary for me because I've always managed to maintain my weight and I was eating a hell of junk food and my cortisol was extremely low and I was losing so much weight. And then when they first put me on it, my thyroid, my thyroid slowed down massively. And I know you won't believe this, but I was in some of the worst shape of my life in that December time and we eventually got it balanced. But yeah, they, um, no, I it's be- crazy how you, yeah, the I- hormones. Uh, Ryan, I more than believe it. I just made a note for myself. I have a doctor's appointment on Friday. I just got a bunch. So my daughter went off to college this year and my son just graduated from college and and got a job. So I finally have some time to think about myself. Um, I have, I have trouble with anemia. Like, so my, right. So my, my iron right now, you are talking to me. I am, I'm talking to you completely fueled on the excitement i have for what you're talking about because my ferritin is seven right now oh my god that's crazy yeah so So i was always i was always very that i always was right at the top of reference range for iron detail but that's probably what i play so much a part of being in good shape too when i was younger like without even trying i always hit them Mm. and then it became an issue like i said when 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 one of my hormones went off and the cortisol started going off now it is that regular check on all of them because all of a sudden top of the reference range in the space of two months became bomb the reference range on a few of them yeah. and i was like i'm taking the i'm eating the exact same foods roughly taking the exact same supplements and now all of a sudden 
it well, to me it works synergistically when one of them's off the, the other one start playing about so um yeah definitely i'd uh that's uh, get that irons no oh i will <laughs> trust me one of the things i'm doing today is uh bothering a doctor about getting me on their schedule i'm gonna get an infusion like i'll just get a like an, an iron that's infusion. What, yeah when you're as low as you are that's what you, you like if you took tablets now it, it, oh, it would no. take so long to bring bring you up it, it's yeah. yeah you need that infusion and then it's obviously you can maintain in other ways but right. yeah but the, the doctor that i saw like really like gave me a battery like i went in and i said look here's so ryan but between you and i the people listening my biggest my biggest issue is is that i don't eat in a way that should be reflective of my weight I don't know if that makes sense or not. My activity, mm-hmm. I move around. Um, I mean, I'm old and all, but I, you know, it's just if you and I stood next to each other and I said, Ryan, how much do you think I weigh? You'd miss my weight by 40 to 50 pounds. Really? Yeah. You would be off by that much, how I look versus what I actually weigh. And okay. so I went into the doctor. I'm like, this isn't right. Like, yeah. like I don't, I don't eat or live in a way that should reflect this. So she tested my, um, my thyroid. She tested my iron. She tested my testosterone. Like she, she gave, I had a, I gave blood for, it felt like 10 minutes <laughs> when I went to the doctor. Um, and I'm, I, my follow-up appointments in two days and we're going to see what she's going to do. So that's, that's cool. It's very yeah. cool as well. Documents on here as I think would be interesting because so many people are in that situation like they think oh i've just got diabetes but no you've got an autoimmune condition as well so when they, they're not taking into account which is what i try and say to so many of them there could be so many other things autoimmune wise which are affected because you're diabetes it's not saying because you have diabetes you've got all these things wrong yeah right but there's a better chance of it because you've got diabetes so i say to them it's not it's for, for the average population it might be as simple as calories in versus calories out um, if you if you're on a good diet and you notice that you're not you're not losing weight, you're being active, then definitely take a look at these hormones and stuff. Because the, the worst thing is doctors don't even really point it out until it's a serious problem. Yeah. There's there's a reference range and then but their reference range, if you're at the bottom of it, that's sometimes very deficient when you're at the bottom of that. Mm-hmm. And they won't even mention it until you're under the reference range, which is I I don't like that to me. It's like you should you're there to prevent uh, problems and it's like if you're leaving it too long for some people you might be causing yourself more work when they have further issues down the line and need further medication than they actually would have and that mindset isn't it permeates medicine like you know a1c oh don't worry it's not you know you're not too bad you know you have, yeah yeah you, you have this it, it, that's not too bad of a number that that's in the range or thyroid is a huge one right there i mm, the I, reference range oh, is massive oh my god there are people with TSH is a five and six who have every thyroid <laughs> issue. And the doctor says to them, well, you're in range. So we're not going to give you the medication. And yeah, and but if they put, if they put you on a form of uh, T3 or T4, your TSH would be, it'd be, it gets limited to barely anything. So hmm. it, why, why is it okay to be up at five? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> exactly. Crazy. I, I trust me. I have episode upon episode where I'm just banging that drum over and over again. Like if you're, if your TSH is over two, you need to find a thoughtful doctor mm. who will really consider yeah. this for you. Um, anyway, I think, I don't know what I'm going to end up on, but you just said something that I wouldn't have thought to do that I'm going to do. After I get answers, I'm going to take the this piece of paper I'm holding right here that I still happen to have that has all the blood work on it that they did, and I'm going to sit down on the podcast and go over it with people so they can see what they looked at and what we found and what we're trying. Um, 
Yeah, that's, yeah, I think I said that you'll be surprised how many people have the uh, the same issues as as you're experiencing. And like I said, if you can point it out slightly faster to them than they would have, for some people, whether it's a money issue or whether it's just a I'm going to run myself into the ground into like those I'm fine. I'm just going to self medicate with prescription stuff until I until I absolutely crash. Some people don't go and get their blood work done. So if you point out certain um, things you're experiencing and then what you blood test out, I think that's yeah, you Help. could save someone. Yeah, because no one knows what they asked for, you know. And and, mm. I, and and you know, I don't know. Your point's just very strong because I'm adopted, but my daughter has type one diabetes, and. It wasn't in as for, and no matter how many people I get on this podcast, I'm like, so you know, how about in your family line? Like, what? And people are like, oh, you know, my my mom has celiac, or my brother in law mm. has vitiligo, or I don't know, like stuff like that. And um, I never, I always thought, well, I just don't know my history. But then I have some. Uh, it's interesting, you know what I mean? But then I have some of these issues, and because I think because I don't have diabetes. I don't see, this is probably a psychological thing because my kid has type one. I don't have type one. So therefore I don't have medical things that deserve attention. If that makes sense. Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. And people have, yeah, but no one even knows what type one comes from. And like I said, you might have just been best enough to not get that, but you still have the same genes that essentially will allow you to go deficient in the same hormones and the same, um, the same blood markers that, a type one would go in so it is is weird to think of like they the people do always say don't they that like it's, it's not meant to be g it's not meant to be passed on by genes but my, my brother's got it my stepbrother's got it uh a, a cousin of mine did have it she passed away when she was young um so yeah it's uh it's weird i do always speak to people and i do always ask like did you have any family members because it is quite intriguing like it's crazy they haven't knuckled down exactly it, is there a way it gets passed on or not Mm-hmm. Well, I ask it to get people's minds turning, like the people listening. Mm. Like I want them to think, like, "Oh wow, that does run in my family." Or, "Yeah, we do." You know, there are four people in my extended family who run to the bathroom after we eat dinner. Like, is that <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Is that celiac? Is that like my stomach hurts? Could that be it? Does my stomach hurt because I have type one and my thought and my pancreas isn't helping? Um, you know, with my digestion, which by the way, help happens to my daughter. My daughter has to take mm. a, uh, a, just an enzyme tablet when she eats to help. Oh, uh, yeah. Right? To help digest meat and stuff. Exactly. Yeah. It, Ryan, why? where have you been all my life? Damn it. <laughs> I'm, uh, yeah, they're researching, apparently, researching. Oh, I do, God. yeah, I know a lot of people who, I, I give it to my girlfriend now as well. She's always struggled with uh, digesting. Obviously, being my partner, she does eat a lot more probably meat than she used to. <laughs> like, <laughs> I uh, cook it. Most of our dinners include it. So, I, uh, yeah, I, I've looked at uh, getting them for her. I, um, what age was your daughter diagnosed? Two. Two. Yeah. See, that's one of the saddest stories I heard. But another thing that really motivated me to, to do as much as I can in the diabetes space, I was doing, because I do a lot of um, pilots, I guess they're called in America, but dry runs, we call them in the UK. So, before a reality show airs, but then before they film a new reality show, they'll do a practice run of it and they'll run it like it's real. But it'll be with, it's typically actors or people who have been on reality TV before. So they, they know how to play up for the camera and stuff. And they do it just to see have they got the right camera angles in this location? Mm-hmm. Is the storyline of the show any good? <laughs> I do a lot of them and I did one. That turned out to be a really good show. I'm really good. I didn't actually go on the proper show now. <laughs> but uh, about a year ago, and I remember um, the first night, everyone's in there all fucking having a good time, mingling, talking about, oh, it's class, we're getting paid to do this. We're living in a castle for a week or whatever. 
So we're all doing that. I hear diabetes mentioned repeatedly. Um, so I go over, I hear this guy introduce stuff to him and I thought it would be him. And he's talking about his daughter having it. And he said to me, uh, he lists off her, the, how bad it was. Her diagnosis said, uh, lost all this weight, uh, was wet in the bed every single night, throwing up every single night and was getting misdiagnosed for months. And I thought in my head, she's got to be my age because that is the exact same thing that happened to me. I went down, I was 10 years old and I only weighed four stone. I'm not sure what that is in kilo, but it's, 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 uh, looking at around 60 pounds <laughs> so yeah at the age of 10 um and i was like wet myself every night um throwing up most nights and so i assumed i said oh how old's your daughter thinking he was gonna say my age and he turned around and said oh that was only a few weeks ago she's three years old yeah and i couldn't i couldn't believe how diabetes is so widely known now how the hell are people still having them same terrific stories nearly dying they can't get diagnosed like to me if you see them certain signs on a kid and it shows there's not enough education in the general population definitely not in the medical field but yeah i think it's crazy like the fact that just people nearly dying to get diagnosed and it was in what 2022 that's wild yeah well especially in an emergency room situation you would expect doctors to know that um mm. you know when 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 a doctor doesn't know that your tsh shouldn't be six i don't know if they're gonna know that peeing all the time you know, equals, yeah, results. Yeah, it, it's it's hard to know. It should to me. It should be one of your standard tests. Someone comes in ill. How hard is a finger prick? Mm-hmm. It should be one of those. Uh, honestly, it should be one of the most standard things. Whenever there's any of them, was it the four P's? The main symptom, uh, four T's. The main symptoms of type one diabetes. If someone comes in with any of them, it should be standard. We have to do a blood test on you, and then yeah, so I, I would. I'm, I'm never going to have the chance to change the medical field. I'm not stupid enough to think I have that much power and influence. But I think. This is why I love podcasts like this. I love Emily puts out information that could could catch you on like because he didn't have a clue about diabetes until his daughter got it. And I bet he wishes, you know, now to not put her through the trauma she suffered for months leading up to it. Yeah. So well, yeah. Oh I I have a couple things. First of all, you said four T's. What what are what are they? Yeah, thirst. Uh so first, tired, um toilet, thinner. Toilet, yeah. Toilet first dinner. tired toilet dinner. That's but the one. You misspoke and you said four Ps, and I thought on a different podcast I'd ask Ryan what his, <laughs> what his four Ps are. <laughs> I, was like, I think I know one of them. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I wouldn't say that. Don't don't give up on the idea of really being able to impact a lot of people because, like, look at the look at the weird course you take to getting to me today, right? Like, you're on a reality show mm. and you're and you're you know, your person's like, here, go do podcasts about diabetes. And, and that was a year <laughs> yeah. ago. And now here, and you and I are talking. And also, I am, uh, I don't put a ton of effort into making sure you're here. So you, yeah, like, you, you have to respond. You have to look at that email and go, oh, damn, I did say I was going to be on a podcast next week. And, and then, and then be here for it, which I really appreciate, uh, sincerely. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's been great. And no, I, I know I'm good. That's why my goal is always to reach the most people out of anyone in the diabetes field. I, I just think, I'm not. I'm not medically trained, and a lot of the stuff that I do is against doctors and how they prescribe and how they go about teaching medication. I'm never gonna get welcomed into that industry. Like Diabetes UK probably hate the fact that I come out and I say like your doctor's wrong about this, this, and this. In all the talks that I do from, I start with saying like I don't think you should listen to your doctor on half the stuff because the the manual that they read on diabetes is this many pages long when it should be this many, and they probably don't like that. But they also know that I probably give the realest advice to children. So I know I'm gonna reach a lot of people on it. 
Um, I just, I just think personally, you can only control what you can control. And, mm-hmm. but yeah, you, your path to so many things is wild. I always think there's so many things in my life. Like I said, I, when I was 14, I never thought I'd do reality TV. If you saw me at 14, I definitely wasn't someone who you think would be a, allowed to do anything like modeling, reality TV, anything like that. Um, and even podcasting, I do, my, I have my own sports podcast now. I do a lot of, I try and do like one interview chat or podcast in different areas, sports, relationships, um, partying, traveling. I try and do one of them a week. My agent tries to get me to do something like that. And I always tell her, like, I was in speech therapy until I, I had no confidence for one, but I was also in speech therapy up until the age of six years old. So I was sitting there while they're going to, 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 so, just so I could say words. And the fact that I, I get to do stuff like this, that's cool to me because I never thought I'd be a good talk. I never thought I'd be a confident talker for sure. Well, you're ter- you're absolutely terrific. I actually was going to ask you, and then you just said you were in speech therapy, which makes me want to ask you more. Do you <laughs> do you know your IQ? Has it ever been tested? Uh, I don't think it'd be very good. I've oh, heard just I, because I like, disagree. Gem- Ryan. But Jem, I'm very. I've said this to you before. I'm obsessively interested in sub in certain matters. So if I, and it can be something so small and I'll have to be the most educated person on that random subject. And I'll spend hours in my free time just researching it and gathering knowledge on it, listening to podcasts on it. But if it's something I don't care about, I'm useless. Like wow. I remember I worked in car sales at the age of 21 and I got there and for six months I was stealing a living. <laughs> and uh, on my last day, they caught to me and they gave me a test that I had on my first day. I don't even remember doing the test on my first day. I scored worse on my last day when they fired me than I did on my first <laughs> day. Right, I don't care and about that. You're, you're, descri- <laughs> you're describing me. Like, I, yeah, I mean, if, if you think I've, I know about, like, nuclear fission or something, like, I don't. You, you know, exactly. like, I, I, I struggled to get through school, um, mm. primary and secondary, and but the things that I... The, I think, I, well, I think people say it's the things you care about, but it's the things that kind of light my brain up that, that mm. there I can go on, you know, and, and I'm telling you, I, I'm not lying. I would send my daughter to you as an endocrinologist before some of the endocrinologists that we've met. Yeah, <laughs> that's very I'm, kind. I'm not, I, I'm but not I agree. You, I think that's, uh, again, we're going to another matter, but that's where the education system fails you. I was... I wasn't book smart at school, but if you put me in a creative subject, something like media, which is um, like journalism, anything like that, IT, designing something, I was very good. Mm-hmm. If I had to read about, you wouldn't know, but Shakespeare's a, a very famous author in the UK in English literature. Oh my God, I was awful. And that's where school fails you because you, you should play to your strengths because you, you don't have to be good at every single thing. I wasn't amazing at maths. I wasn't good at numbers, but I you said like if it's something I'm passionate about, God, like I'll, I'll be very passionate about it. Ryan, let me let me share this with you. I'm published. Like I, I I'm a published author. Okay, <laughs> I I don't read. I don't like reading. Yeah, I, it's one of them that to me I'm not like I'm not saying I'm the busiest man in the world or anything, but I li- I like to live like quite a routine life so i can fit in as many things i can in, in the day like we, we we have to work we have to do some things i have to go to gym so there's something i do which take a large proportion but they have to be so routinely in a routine the problem is if i do if i sat there and read for an hour i'd see that as a massive waste of time because i could <laughs> i could listen to the, the audiobook version of it while doing some sort of exercise or something like i'm a very efficient guy and reading has never 
fit into my lifestyle. I I found it's interesting. I've read a couple of great books that I've really enjoyed, but I just don't like to read. I'm I'm not I'm not Mm. embarrassed. I used to I was on a book tour once and my publisher pulled me aside and said, Hey, let's stop telling people you don't read, okay? And I said, uh, <laughs> I said, why? He goes, well, because you wrote a book and it doesn't sound good. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, I said, I thought it sounded like, I thought it was Interesting. great. Yeah, I thought like, hey, I yeah. wrote a book and he doesn't even read. <laughs> I, mean, I, I think, so. I think, yeah, it, it doesn't. It, it's never done much for me. Like I said, I, I won't be efficient, but I also, I just, I, I can't concentrate on, on words. So I feel like I, I play massively off people's like voices, emotion, which I guess you wouldn't get with an audio book, but it's probably why I, I like so many podcasts and stuff. I like hearing that. If I'm going to, I also don't really like made up stories. I prefer real life stories. It's always far more interesting to me. So it would have to be more like a biography, which I'd be interested in, but I still, I like to hear the voice behind it. I, I've definitely always connected better with, um, the expression you can put in your voice. Um, and I guess if they, you can see them as well, but yeah, reading to me, it's just, I've, I've never been able to do it. And it's, it's annoying because I try and be so, there's so many, you always look at, oh, the millionaire's morning routine and that. <laughs> and I'm very much on the, I get up at 5 a.m., don't care if it's Monday to Sunday, I'm up at 5 a.m. I always try and get gym out of the way early. I'll try and just start my day at 5. It's just something that I've managed to get into the routine. I love doing it like that. Right. But there's, there's certain things I now try and add in when I can. Reading, it always says, oh, I'll read 9 to 12, but no, that ain't happening. <laughs> Not reading for any period of time. Ryan, let me tell you what, the, what the Google machine tells me whether or not it's actually true or not, but um, average IQ of a person with a stutter is 14 points higher than the national average. That's pretty crazy. I, I have, did not think that. I have your IQ in the 120s. That's my guess. Really? I'm very, I, I'm I, very good at picking people's IQs. People who knew me at school would massively laugh at that statement. Oh. I, like I said, but I do think, like I said, it's, it's something... And we're talking about a subject that I'm very passionate about. And I, I put a lot of time into researching it because to me, that's one of the most important things when you're giving advice to young people and stuff like, I can't just tell you, go and do this because I did it and it's great. Like, what happens if you do it and you go and die? Like, I can't put that risk on myself and live with myself doing that. I've had to be very educated on any matter I give I, opinions on. I appreciate that. I'm just telling you that you're not giving yourself enough credit. You're you're having multi-level thoughts about things that are existing on different timelines and you're keeping them all together and explaining them in a very simple way. And that, <laughs> that that's not that. Listen, I barely got out of high school. Like, I'm not kidding you. Like I barely got out of high school. Like when they gave me my diploma, I was like, huh, I pulled this off. <laughs> yeah we did it <laughs> i was like no kidding all right thanks you sure all right i'll take it uh but i um like my kids like my daughter's in college and she's she you know sends me a text the other day and she goes yeah i did this report on this history topic and i was like right and she goes i got a 96 out of 100 and i said yeah and she goes i don't understand where i lost these four points at <laughs> and, and so that's she, what you wanted yeah and i'm like thinking if I got a C, like like yeah, a I'll, middling grade, I was like, I did it. <laughs> I was like, I, mm, I would give away that's, 30% of the what? grade and be like, oh, I'm doing terrific. <laughs> yeah, and, and that, that was me in school as well. And then, but her mindset is sort of a mindset I have about now. Like, I'm not sure if she's very passionate about the, the, the test she took, but there's certain things where I'm, I'm not my biggest critic in everything I do. And a lot of it, it's subjective, but... Like, 
when I do like professional wrestling, for example, it's totally subjective. Like people can think I was amazing, people can think I was rubbish. I purely go on crowd noise because the crowd is loud. I did a good job. I entertained, and but I, I I'll be obsessively over it. Like I will put put the wrestling show into a program that tells me the different level of noise throughout the whole show. And I will see who gets the best reactions, who gets the worst, what moments did the best and worst. And it's, it's the same with podcasting. If someone comes on our podcast, the the comment, the one about our local football team, and he's funnier than me. Oh my god! Like I, I, I stay up at night, mate. I need to come up with better jokes. So <laughs> I, um, there's certain things that I am ruthlessly um, hard on myself about. But like I said, if it's that drive that makes you better, yeah. and uh, she's she's clearly got that. Uh, Ryan, I, I'm just going to say it again. I'm Danny DeVito to your to your own. That's 100 <laughs> true. Uh, we're basically the same person. I did a TV show once um, where I was in front of a live audience, like 500 people, and there's a moment when you can feel it. Like I've got, them. Mm. I'm going to say something in a second, and they're going to laugh. And then mm-hmm. I'm going to move it in this direction, and then this is going to happen. And then another person started speaking, and I'd be like, oh, it's a letdown for them that I'm not talking. And uh, yep. it's very – um, you can if you can see it, anyway. I, I don't know. Yeah. You're terrific. I, 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 love, I love it because it, it, there's so much growth. Like you, people would think after doing like reality TV, oh, this guy's got insane confidence. He can do anything like that. But I said, the wrestling stuff came just after it. It was one of the first things that messaged me after it, like, come and help us build an audience for the show. At first time I went to the ring, God, I thought I was a confident talker. I thought I could engage your audience. I thought I would know, oh, you, you be quiet when they're loud. So you don't want to get, you don't want to basically, when you're watching it back, the crowd's booing over you talking. You can't even hear what you're saying. Mm-hmm. I thought I'd have all these things down to a point. And I watched my first show now and I cringe. But it, you, it's so good to see your progression in a certain subject because, like, at the start, I would go out there, heart would be absolutely beating. I'd just be hoping no one's going to say anything like really bad. I think some some fans, two fans started chatting, like, oh, who are you? Who are you? And I thought, okay, at this point, I was meant to be um, not a bad guy or a good guy. I was meant to sort of play it in the middle because they hadn't decided what they wanted me to be yet. They were going to base it off the crowd. Mm-hmm. So I go, I go out there, reaction's all right, but then some lads start chatting, who are you? And I think I was trying to think of my feet and I thought, you know what, I'm a bad guy. Turned around, I was like, more relevant than you, that's who I am. And then they all booed. We got a massive reaction and we were off and running. And I think like, just like in that second, I love that I have like a witty brain to turn around like Because if not, some people can crumble under that sort of pressure of having a live audience heckling you. Mm-hmm. I love speaking in front of people. I don't know what that says about mm. me, but I en- I enjoy it very much. All right, Ryan, I have to let you go because I'm going to uh, propose to you in a second, and I'm going to go to <laughs> gonna go, I have to explain to my wife that I'm leaving her for a guy in his twenties in uh in London. So um, <laughs> you just really I had such a uh, just a lovely time speaking with you. This is terrific. No, oh, it was so much fun. Was so yeah. I'm not gonna lie, when you said, "Oh, we'll just wing it," and then you didn't, I expected like, "Oh, we'll roughly talk about this. We'll roughly talk about that." But we'll wing it. And then we just said, no, show up, headphones, wing it. And I was like, I, I can go off the cuff, but I just thought, are, are we going to have a really boring chat? And this has been hilarious. Oh, no. I'm really good at this, Ryan. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I know you're good. Don't worry. <laughs> um, it would be, if, if us two are talking and it was a bad conversation, something's really went wrong. I, I, I've um, never, like, had a, I've never made a podcast and thought, oh, nobody can hear that. That'll be terrible. I, I, yeah, I, no. Yeah. I have one question before I let you go. Really early on, like an hour and a half ago, you said as happy as Larry. Yeah. What does that mean? 
it's a it's a weird British saying that I just know. I'm not sure if there's I don't know if there's an actual Larry. This is somewhere where my IQ mate fa- might fail. I don't know if there's an actual Larry this this saying's based off, but it's like happy as Larry's like just someone who's having the best time, almost a bit like delusional to like anything that's going wrong in his life. He's just always having a good time. Hmm. Uh, it, so it's it looks like it's I'm looking it up here. Uh, Larry, the best known character in a world of similes, the expression he instigates is most likely to be of Australian or New Zealand origin. Earliest printed reference known from the writer G.L. Meredith, dating 1875. Oh God, I know it's been it's been. Uh, I've always heard it is in like oh I was I was happy as Larry, and then this happened. So it's one of them with like someone who's almost just everything's going great for that person. And then it's, it's, it's usually used because everything was so good and then um, something happened. <laughs> so popular Australian writer Tom Collins in 1903 <laughs> in something called Barrier of Truth wrote, now that the adventure was drawing to an end, I found a peace of mind that all the old fogies on the river couldn't disturb. I was as happy as Larry. Here's Larry. <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, not Learned- for nothing, Ryan, that's what your episode's called. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's class. Oh, uh, I love it. A huge thanks to Ryan for coming on the show today and sharing what he knows about type 1 diabetes. Thought he was terrific. Thanks also to the Contour Next Gen blood glucose meter. ContourNext.com forward slash juice box. Use my link, support the show. Speaking of links that support the show, betterhelp.com forward slash juice box. Save 10% off your first month of therapy with BetterHelp. I sincerely appreciate when you guys use the links. It really does keep the show going. So if you're looking for Dexcom, Omnipod, Contour, BetterHelp, Athletic Greens, US Med. What else? Touched by Type 1. So many. Evoke Hypopen. I think that's it right now. No, 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 no. It's not at uh, CozyEarth.com. Uh, use the offer code JUICEBOX at checkout to save 35%. If you're looking for anything about those, please use my links. Sorry, I had to turn my head to read off a whiteboard. I can't. It's a lot of them. It's hard to keep straight in my mind. Uh, I can't thank you enough for listening. Sincerely. I'll be back soon with another episode of the Juicebox podcast. You're probably right now thinking, I can't believe we got through this whole episode. Scott didn't do one, like, shitty, like, British accent the whole time. I didn't. What do you think of that? Not bad, huh? Growing up. Didn't even mention Harry Potter.